welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. What significant woman is all about is girlfriends getting alongside each other. I love the fact that Barbara persevered in Sharon's life, even though she might have been a bit prickly and a bit, I don't really want to sit down or I don't want to talk, that Barbara actually persisted and she pursued and even given her the um, courage and the confidence to get up here today and share her story. I just love that. And I think that's the way that we can actually be a blessing in others' lives. And I also love the way that Sharon is just such an inspiration and I just can't wait, Sharon, to see what God's got for you and the amazing things he's going to continue to shine through your life. So it's really, really special that you share with us today. Thank you. Well, I um, have the opportunity now to go on with our session here. And like I said before, we are, I've, I've heard a few times this morning, there we're women and we love a bargain, okay? So I'm going to try and promote to you a couple of health supplements today, okay, to start off. And the first health supplement I have here, these are the benefits of taking this health, health supplement, okay? This one will increase your blood pressure. It will cause neck pain and limb pain through muscle tension. It will reduce your supply of oxygen It will impair sleep and recovery from injury. It will restrict blood flow to your heart and increase incidence of heart disease. Impair digestion, restrict breathing, lower your immunity, cause avoidance of certain opportunities, increase emotions of anger and sadness, and is a precursor for depression, paranoia, addictions, and other mental health issues. Anyone like this one? I hope there's no masochists out there that are going, oh yeah, I'd like that one. Okay, so that's health supplement one, number one, okay? This is number two. This one will improve your immune system performance, reduce stress, anxiety and depression, lessen your cardiovascular and blood pressure problems, decrease your need for medication, lower your headaches and other aches and pains, improve your sleep quality, increase your empathy and approachability, improve your quality of relationships, promote psychological well-being and better moods, and increase purposeful behaviours. Now, I think we're all going to go for this one, hey? (laughs) We're all going to go for that. I just realised I didn't introduce myself, so I'm Sally, for those who don't know me. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're going to go with that one, okay? But do you know that many of us, without even knowing it, actually choose the other one daily? And you know why? Because actually what I listed off on those two lists were the effects of unforgiveness and forgiveness. Okay? And there's an there's a area of research that they've actually called forgiveness research, where they've actually investigated the effects of unforgiveness. And the amazing thing, I thought that list was pretty extreme and pretty depressing. You know, we're all going, we don't want to stay away from that. But the researchers said that they reported conservatively on the results. So what that means is a lot of what they found was worse than that. So I think we need to try and stay away from that. And what I don't want this afternoon to be is a, oh, she's got a bit of high blood pressure. She could maybe think about who she's not forgiving. Shana, she's a bit depressed. Okay, this isn't about looking at other people. And I do know those health problems can have other causes. 
Okay, but what I want us to do is examine ourselves. This is our look at us moment and think about, you know what, let's just deal with any unforgiveness first and then if there's another health issue, that's another issue. But let's actually look here first and foremost, okay? So I want to look a little bit now about how we recognise unforgiveness. You know, and I I love some of the things that Jane said because it just weaves in so nicely into what I've got prepared and just thinking, you know what, God, you're getting our attention on these things today. He really wants, it's just loving us and going, you know what, honey, you just need to look at these little things and deal with them. And when Jane said before about how old injuries give rise to us um, responding the way we do to new injuries and go, how come I responded that way when that's actually only a little thing? It's because of all the other stuff that has gone on preceding, okay? So I've created a little checklist here that we can just maybe examine ourselves, think about, do I respond like that? And maybe there is something there that I need to look at. So do you talk about someone negatively to others before you've spoken to some to them about the issue? Do you bring other people in then to justify and agree with you? Do you do the replay scenes over and over in your head? Do you feel anger and resentment when a person walks in the room? So you suddenly you feel yourself tensing up because they're here. Do you say, oh, I'm over that? But the topic's a no-go zone. That person's never mentioned we stick it under the carpet, okay? (laughs) Do you use the silent treatment? You know, ladies, we're notorious for that. And married ladies, do you withhold sex? Do you say yes? And with a nice smile, yes, I'll do that. When you're going, no, I don't want to, inside. Do you say no to opportunities because you need to punish yourself or someone else. I don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. So I'm not going to do that. take that opportunity. Do you bring up scenarios over and over again? So when hubby does that thing again, he leaves his stuff all over the floor. You bring out your list. And you always, and you never, and you always, and blah, 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 blah. You go through your list, okay? Rather than just dealing with the, hey, you left your floors on the stuff on the floor today, honey. Uh, Have you ever said, I will never forgive myself for, I will never forgive them for, do you feel this need to prove yourself to someone? I have to prove myself to this person that I can do this. Even though I really don't want to do this thing, I'm going to prove to them that I can do it. Do you guilt parent? Do you avoid certain places or certain social situations, certain types of people? I just don't get along with that personality type or avoid those sort of people. Do you struggle with depression? Because much of depression, and I've found people that I've worked with with depression, it's anger turned inward. And if you're angry at someone, it's either yourself you're angry at or someone else you're angry at because of their past actions. Do you use negative self-talk? I'm dumb. No, 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 me. I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. They're just some of the things that can help us to recognise, you know what? Maybe there is still some unforgiveness there in my life. And unforgiveness is basically a negative state where an offended person maintains feelings of resentment, hostility, anger and hatred toward a person who offended him. Now, did you hear that word, maintains? So you can have feelings of hurt when you're offended, but it's the maintaining the hurt that keeps you in a state of unforgiveness. 
So in maintaining it, you're implying that I've got a choice as to whether I keep it or whether I actually get rid of it. Okay, so forgiveness itself is actually a choice. And Jane mentioned again about choices this morning. It's a choice. It's not a feeling, forgiveness, okay? So you can feel remorse or regret that something has taken place. You can feel anger or sadness or um, fear when you're actually hurt or offended about something. But you don't feel unforgiving. What we do is we mash all those emotions together, then we maintain them and we create this state of unforgiveness. Okay, so the feelings are not unforgiveness. And forgiveness isn't a psychological issue, but a spiritual one. So we can see as many therapists as we like, and I think therapists have their place. They can medicate us to make us feel better. And they can help us learn some relational skills and they can help us um, maybe just to change some behaviours. But if guilt or unforgiveness is our issue, they can't help us. You know, and I would say, um, just my opinion is that much of mental health issues are actually indirectly or directly related to unforgiveness. And R.T. Kendall says, one act of forgiveness can save you many hours of psychiatric counselling. You know, so I'm not saying throw away the psychiatrist because they have their place, but if guilt um, and unforgiveness are our issue, deal with that first, and then they can help us untangle the messes that we've made. All right, and in, in talking about this today, I don't want to minimise some of the tragedies that people have been through. I know what Sharon went through was quite a tragic circumstance, and I know it was a process for her to come through to forgiveness. So I don't want to minimise that, but I want to hold that intention with the fact that we do not ever want to underestimate what Jesus did. Because the power of that transaction that took place when he forgave us can actually override anything that we may or others may have done to us, all right? So we're walking that line today, all right? So firstly, why should we forgive? All right, we firstly should forgive because God loves us. Jane mentioned that also. But in Micah seven eighteen to 19, it says, Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet. So we should forgive because God loves us, but also because he forgives us. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So moving on to who should we forgive? Okay, and I think this is another point. Um, that God's getting our attention on. Because the first person I want to talk about here is God. Now, I don't think God needs our forgiveness because he's God. He's all-powerful. But if we are holding unforgiveness towards him, if we're angry at him, we need to deal with our unforgiveness towards him. So if you've got those questions, why did this happen to me? Why did I lose this loved one? Why did I have to go through this stuff? Why this? Why that? Why this? And you haven't actually gone to God and vented to him and told him and said, hey, I don't understand why this is happening and I just need to vent and say this is really, you know, I feel hard done by and this happened, blah, 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 and actually vent to him, then we keep him at a distance. We may never understand. He may never give us the answers because we're finite. If we understood everything, we'd be God. We're not. We don't understand. But in actually releasing those emotions to him, we're keeping a relationship with him. 
We understand he loves us no matter what and we have our relationship with him that he desires and if we keep that wall between ourselves and God, what we're doing is cutting ourselves off from our life source. You know, when you're rejected, you need God. When you're abandoned, you need God. When you're lonely, you need God first and foremost. So the first person we need to forgive if there are issues there uh, is God. The second group of people that we need to forgive is those who offend us. And I've actually asked Vicky and Sharon to come and help me with a little bit of an illustration today. And this is completely fabricated. There is no story here, okay? There's no gossip, no story. We just made something up, okay, as an illustration, all right? But I want you to imagine two girls. These are best friends and they grew up together. They spend a lot of time with each other at one another's houses. And they maybe even went along to church together. But there becomes a complication. Both become interested in the same guy. (laughs) Who they both chose for the frame, by the way. <laughs> um, at first, Vicky goes out with him and she doesn't realise that he's actually using Vicky to get to Sharon. And eventually Sharon realises this and he dumps Vicky for Sharon and then Sharon dumps Vicky as a friend also. So at this moment, because Sharon has hurt Vicky... It's like she <laughs> places a heavy weight on Vicky's neck because Vicky's chosen to take offence. She's chosen to take on that injury that Jane was talking about earlier. <laughs> and if Vicky then does the, I'll never forgive you for this and I'll never speak to you again thing, that is like she grabs the end of the chain and she binds herself to Sharon. And she attaches Sharon to her chain of offence. Now, Sharon could be completely oblivious. She's just going along her merry way, getting on with her life. And Sharon and her boyfriend may just go on enjoying one another's company on weekends. And they might even get involved in a ministry together. Uh, Vicky, all along, is getting pulled by the chain of bitterness and resentment that joins her to Sharon. And she feels angry that good stuff is happening to Sharon. How come she gets all the good stuff? So time may go on and Vicky may hear news. (laughs) So Sharon's getting married, of course. In Matthew 6, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. So Vicky's trapped in her unforgiveness and can't experience forgiveness for herself either because she's trapped. And that's in light of what Jane said earlier about the injury. She's actually getting injured being dragged along by those chains too. (laughs) Researchers, (laughs) Researchers have found that empathy with an offender increases your ability to forgive them. So what if Vicky considered one day what happened back then? You know, Sharon's parents were going through a divorce. Maybe the guy was actually more suited to her and she thought about what great friends they had been beforehand. So in choosing to forgive, she releases Sharon from the chain. But she actually releases herself.
<laughs> we wrapped that really well today. <laughs> so, you know, then Sharon was oblivious to the hurt that Vicky was carrying. So Vicky could then seek Sharon out and tell her, hey, I forgive you in person. And then they can then choose to forgive each other to start the relationship afresh and to move forward. Matthew, uh, sorry, there's a place for restitution if it's possible to speak to the person, but if it's not, it's a transaction between Jesus and yourself to set that person and yourself free. In Matthew 5, 23 to 24, it says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar Go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Before Vicky spoke to Sharon, she was oblivious to the hurt that Vicky had been carrying. So what if now Sharon begins to feel the weight of what she did? She did treat Vicky badly. She was mean. She was selfish. She doesn't deserve this great guy. She doesn't deserve great things to happen to her. She starts to wrap herself in the shame and the guilt. And although Vicky's forgiven her, she chooses to stay in a position of unforgiveness of herself. So I'd like to thank these ladies for helping us out in illustrating that today. Because it just, I think, is a real picture of how unforgiveness and forgiveness operate in our lives. And obviously we left Sharon in chains. So I just want to look at that now. That's the last part of who we should forgive is actually we need to forgive ourselves. And she, she came to church and she sensed the Holy Spirit convicting her, honey, you've done some bad stuff. You were mean, you were selfish. And so what she was experiencing at that moment was true guilt. She had done some bad stuff. And true guilt is actually good. Tony often says, if you feel bad for doing something bad, that's actually a good thing. And I would concur with that because if you feel bad, If you don't feel bad, you're actually a psychopath, okay? So I hope there's no psychopaths here, all right? (laughs) And Jane actually read this scripture earlier too, but 1 John uh, 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, our wrongdoing, our bitterness, our resentment, our unforgiveness to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So Sharon could have actually been set free at that moment. You know what, God, I realise I did some bad stuff, okay, and be frozen to, um, and been set free at that moment because she, she had the forgiveness and the freedom that can come. But she actually chose to wrap herself in that chain of false guilt. You know, and the devil's role is to condemn. I think it's Revelation 12.10. It says he's the accuser of the brethren day and night. So his job is to go, you're so bad. You should never, you should never be, a, um, you know, be um, set free from that. You just go over and over and over um, to condemn us, all right? And that's false guilt. But, you know, if we keep punishing ourselves for something that Jesus has forgiven us for, we set ourselves up above God. That's self-righteous and it's self-pitiful and it's prideful. And we're saying, you know what, God, what you did, that's not enough for me. You know, and so we actually need to recognise, you know what, it's more than enough for what I did. No matter what it is that you did, what he did is more than enough. You know, ultimately, would you have done that thing in hindsight? Probably not. Can you change it? Probably not. 
But what you can do is seek reconciliation, as Vicky did, and you can say sorry to God, and you can leave your chain there at the altar when you say sorry, rather than take it with you. Then you refuse to let the devil to, uh, refuse to let the devil condemn you, and refuse to live in the false guilt. Psalm fifty-one says, "Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin." Because that's what Jesus' blood does for us. So what should we forgive? What stuff should have, has gone down in our lives that we should forgive? Well, it's anything that hurts or offends us. You know, I don't need to be prophetic to know there are women here who have been sexually abused, who have been raped, who have been beaten up, who have been cheated on, who have been stolen from, who have been rejected, abandoned, hated, all of those things. And for those that have maybe had abortions, maybe been unfaithful to their husbands, got sexually involved where they shouldn't, said they stuff they shouldn't, done stuff they shouldn't, not done stuff that they should have done. And there's probably some secrets here that you've never, ever told anybody. And you're carrying that thing of, oh, if anyone knew this about me, they would never want to know me. Well, you know what? Life happens and stuff happens. We make bad choices. We make decisions that aren't good. But ultimately, God can forgive us from all of those things. Ephesians 1, 6-7 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So if Jesus forgives all your sins, all your sins, he forgives all your sins. Now in my dictionary, all means all. It means everything. All your sins should be, can be forgiven. So how do we forgive? You know, I said sometimes it can be a process, but there's a few elements, I think, that can help us to forgive if we're a bit stuck. So firstly, we need to understand Jesus' love and forgiveness for us. And I think Jane spoke about that a little bit. And really, if there's secrets in this room that you've never, ever told anybody, there's one who knows. And you know what? He loves you, despite that thing. He loves you anyway. He knows your secrets and he loves you anyway. And he's holding out his hand. He wants to forgive you. The second element, I think, in how we forgive is to tell Jesus and not others. You know, Jane mentioned that before about, you know, I really think that God wants to get our attention in this, that we don't ring the girlfriend, we don't tell the neighbour, we don't tell our friend at church under the guise of, I need your advice on this thing. We go to Jesus first when we're offended. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So don't gossip. If I go gossip to my friend about my other friend, then I'm actually dumping some stuff on her and corrupting her picture of her friend and of me because my reputation's damaged because now I'm a gossip telling her about that. So your reputation's damaged, their reputation's damaged and you've just dumped this poor friend with a whole heap of stuff that she doesn't need to carry. 
Okay, so we don't whinge to others. We go to the person first. Whenever anyone says anything to me, I go, Oi, have you gone to Jesus first and have you gone to them? Then if you can work it out, hey, I'm happy to step in and help you sort it out. I know Sharon Smedley and I were chatting about this earlier. She says it sounds like the JP playground because she's a junior primary teacher. You know, they come, oh, so-and-so took my... And I'm like, well, you help us. You deal with it at that level and then hopefully they'll grow up to actually deal with it themselves so that when we're adults, we're not still doing it, you know? And how about, have you thought about praying for them? Because so many times I go, you know what, you're assuming that about that person. You're assuming motives. And so, yes, maybe they were a selfish cow. Okay. But maybe you're insecure. But only prayer is going to give you that perspective. So you go to Jesus first, tell him and not others. All right, Um, another element of how to forgive is just to say sorry. So many of us don't actually talk to God, I think. Like um, Jane was saying earlier about not venting our emotions to him, we don't actually say, you know what, I did that bad thing or I'm holding unforgiveness towards her and I am sorry. And forgiveness remembering is a choice. So we say, I'm sorry, God, I choose to forgive this person or I choose to forgive myself for whatever, and it's a spiritual transaction. It's not an emotion. You may feel free after, but you may not feel free, but it's still right to do, and it's a choice to do it. Um, Another element is to forget the trespass. The more you focus on something, the bigger it becomes. I often use the picture of like when you're driving, if you were driving looking in your rear view mirror, I reckon I'd crash, okay? If you're driving looking through your front view mirror, you're more likely to stay on the road. But if we're always focusing on that thing that they did, our perspective is wrong. Okay, and so if that's our focus, we're not going to be moving forward. We're staying there and we're probably going to crash. Okay, there's the injury thing coming up again. You know, Sharon Roberts here hasn't had a memory erased because she was able to tell us what happened today. But she's had a perspective change. You know, um, uh, R.T. Kendall calls it tearing up the record of wrongs. So you might have that list of things towards someone or yourself, but it's about tearing it up. I'm going to choose not to hold that against you anymore. Okay, it's not like my memories are raised. I choose not to hold it against you anymore. Everett Worthington is a leading forgiveness researcher, and he says big transgressions are not necessarily unforgivable because they are big. Instead, big transgressions are the ones that, if they are ever to be surmounted, must be forgiven. And I think that Sharon's story really testifies to that. Her restoration just shines God's grace all the brighter because of the reason that she has forgiven those things. Another element of how we forgive is to remember that justice isn't yours to give. I think we get in God's way so many times. You know, I think he's able to do anything, but somebody's going, well, you just get out of the way because while you're hoeing revenge on that person, I, you know, it's like his hands are tied. He can't actually get in there and bring them to the place that they need to be because we are in the way. So we need to allow God to bring conviction on that person. And in amongst that as well, you might say, well, how many times do I have to forgive them? If they keep doing the same thing over and over... Well, Luke 17, 3 to 4 says, So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. 
then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Now, I just want to draw a... Um, just indicate that forgiveness isn't being beaten up over and over again, okay? If you're getting beaten the daylights out of every day, you need to change your circumstance, but you still need to forgive however many times you're hurt, okay? So there's a, a change in what we actually do, what the results are, but we still need to forgive. And another element is that forgiveness is possible without reconciliation. You know, there is sometimes a person's died or it's just not appropriate to be able to approach that person if it's a past marriage partner or something like that or um, you're just not able to get, make contact with the person. But forgiveness is still possible and it's still necessary. You know, there's a quote that I'm not sure who said it now, but he said, we know our bitterness is gone when we feel no desire to punish or hurt. So if you don't feel like going after them and getting them for that thing anymore, that means, hey, you know what? I've, I've settled that. I'm not holding that against them anymore. And, you know, if you go to them, like the girls here, if, they, if um, Vicky had said, sorry, Sharon, and Sharon said, well, I'm not going to accept your apology. Well, Vicky's still done her part. She's still free from her chain. And it's Sharon's response then indicates um, whether the relationship will move forward. So if Sharon says, oh, they, hey, honey, I accept your forgiveness. Let's be friends again. They can move towards reconciliation and friendship again. If she says not, nah, well, Vicky's still free and reconciliation isn't possible, but forgiveness still is. Gary Chapman says, forgiveness releases you from the bondage of your past fa- failures and gives you the freedom to make the most of your future. In Psalm 66, 16, it says, Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. And we really want to create an opportunity right now for you ladies. I know that as I've been speaking, there's probably been faces or scenarios, memories, flashbacks coming to mind. And I think that's the Holy Spirit just gently nudging us, gently prompting us to, honey, just need to deal with this thing, this injury Jane spoke about. You know what? Yeah, people might rile me up about that thing, but it's really about this back here. I really need to deal with this this big injury back here in order to move forward. So we want to create a moment for you to be able to forgive yourselves for things that you may have done, to forgive God if you need to, to forgive others, to just have, as those names come to mind, just go, you know what, Jesus, I've harboured unforgiveness towards blah or to myself for whatever it is that they've done. And I'm sorry. And I want to accept your forgiveness today. Leave my chains here. Live free of condemnation. I'm not going to wrap myself in that false guilt anymore. I'm going to run to you for comfort. I'm not going to dwell on the past. I'm going to move forward, look towards my purpose, look towards my future in you. I am going to seek reconciliation with that person where I can. And I'm going to choose to walk with freedom and purpose into my future. 
and thank him for his forgiveness. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.